0: For those of you who don't know, every one megawatt running 24 by seven in one year emit 7.78 million pounds of carbon emission in the air. And if you use renewable energy, that number goes away. That is the equivalent of removing 17 million and a half miles of car off the road of the emission. It is big number.
1: We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here.
0: The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined.
2: The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 54 coming at you right now. It's another episode that we're excited about as we welcome to the program Susanna Cass, Power 100 and Climate 50 member, also Energy Fellow over at Stanford University, a bevy of topics and just great information and ideas and opinions coming from Miss Susanna Cass, a 30-year veteran of the renewable industry. Great stuff that you do not want to miss, and we'll get to Susanna here in just a second. But before we do that, let's welcome to the program, C and founder of eRenewable, Mr. Mike Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at eRenewable. Hi,
3: Mike Niemer here, president and CEO of eRenewable. At eRenewable, we bring technology to the sustainability space by hosting real-time online auctions for both PPAs and VPPAs. Our electronic management tool helps streamline the RP process, whether you are a buyer or a seller of wind, Solar or battery storage. Our platform will provide pricing efficiencies to your organization. Additionally, we help customers with microgrid or battery storage development, renewable natural gas by turning waste energy, LED lighting and HVAC efficiency upgrades, unbundled RECs, and provide energy advisory services to our customers. Please visit our website at eRenew.net or call us at one eight six six eRenew one. As always. Thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable.
1: Thank you for that, Mr. Mike Niemer. As always, you can find out more about the company over at eRenew.net, and you can follow us on LinkedIn, eRenewable, and The Green Insider podcast, and connect with Mike and I over at LinkedIn as well, at Mike Niemer, at Fred Davis. All right, as we do each and every other week, we bring to you the NEMA News Minute. Here is Executive Director of NEMA, Mr. Steve Shepard.
2: Hi, Fred, this is Steve Shepard, Executive Director of the North American Energy Markets Association. Thanks again for the opportunity to provide another NEMA update for the Green Insiders listeners. NEMA is pleased to announce that Title Energy Marketing is NEMA's newest market member. Title is a full-service crude oil, condensate, NGL, natural gas, and power marketing company. Their presence in Calgary and Houston provides integration across North American markets and access to global markets. Title is a wholly owned subsidiary of Enbridge and supports many of the Enbridge network assets. Their contact information is available on NAMA's website. While I'm recognizing NAMA members, I'm happy to announce that ZE Power Group, one of NAMA's associated members, recently won Energy Risk's Data House of the Year award. That makes it the third year in a row that ZE has won that award. Congratulations to the whole team at ZE. Remember to save the date for NEMA's 2021 Fall Conference, hosted by Customized Energy Solutions on October 4th through the 6th at the Logan Hotel in Philadelphia. Registration opens later this month and we're already hearing lots of enthusiasm for getting back together with friends and colleagues. Sponsorship at the conference is a great opportunity for expanding your brand visibility and supporting NEMA. Don't delay, sponsor a golf hole today. Please contact either Donna Foy or me and we'll get you set up. We really look forward to seeing everyone in Philadelphia on October 4th. Our virtual presentation series is taking a summer break in July and August, but we will be back in September. Watch for more information at NAMA's website and on LinkedIn. There are no new RFPs this week. Please see NAMA's website for details on currently open RFPs. Lastly, Platte River Power Authority, Excel Energy, and AES Clean Energy have all announced numerous job opportunities over the past couple of weeks. Please see NAMA's website for more details. That's it for now. We look forward to giving another update soon. Thanks, Fred.
1: Thank you for that, Mr. Steve Shepherd. And as always, you can find out more information about NEMA over at NEMA.com. That's N A E M A dot com. All right, let's get down to it. Miss Susanna Cass, Power 100 and Climate 50 member, Energy Fellow over at Stanford University on the program. Great stuff from her, talking about a 30 year career in the renewable industry. She gets into her history in the data center creation, as well as the importance of carbon emissions, her opinion of an electrified world, and so much more. Please welcome to the program Miss Susanna Cass.
0: I'm a member of the Climate 50, the topmost world influencer to reduce carbon footprint. Uh, I'm also a member recently become the member of Power 100 and we are chosen on this list based on the results of our net positive impact infrastructure project that we have done for the ICT sector. And in my case, as a clean cloud provider, designer and a net zero data center operator. I have been nominated to be the Energy Fellow for Stanford University and also got appointed to be the Data Center Advisor to the United Nations Sustainable Development Program. So in my 30 years career working in a data center and an energy field, very delighted Mike and Fred for you to be having me today in your podcast. And I gave it a little name called Race to Zero to get ready for some of the activity that we are working towards, the November Climate Change Summit with the COP26. And the theme of it all is exactly right on to what both of your gentlemen is passionate about, which is renewable energy.
1: What does this mean right now for somebody who spent 30 years you know, in the renewable energy field from 30 years ago to where we are right now? How exciting and important of a time is this for you, Susanna Cass?
0: I have to admit that in my 30 year career, as I was COO for eBay International or the general manager for running all the Asia Pacific data center for HP, and even as Sun um, running the data center business operation and working across 17 countries and doing over gigawatts of uh, build, um, you are correct. Sustainability and renewable energy was not the top of our mind. Uh, When you are in the data center field, the one word and one word that defined us is uptime resilience. And so it's an afterthought. It's a nice to have. When we get to it, we'll get to it. But oftentimes, it's not part of the commissioning on demand requirement when we lit up the production. So for that, I like to say sorry to the future generation, because I have certainly have done work that was not net positive impact. Um, Since then, uh, I think for the last, I would say, 17 years, I've been very committed as a researcher and also as a data center designer for the net zero to basically hopefully do good for the net positive impact. But forget about the last 30, 17 years, who counts? We like to forget COVID as well, (laughs) and 2019 may not count. So we're all looking forward, uh, Fred, here Uh, renewable energy is a goal that I genuinely think is a must. So I basically focus on suggesting to the world that uh, we need to to basically think twice about the linear economy because it doesn't serve the purpose anymore. And we need to really focus on location-based clean energy and specifically renewable as we build our next data center.
1: Explain to us what exactly is a data center and how it pertains to renewable energy and why data centers are kind of not necessarily in the crosshairs, but why they're so important to this renewable energy push.
0: Well, data center is actually very straightforward as we all are currently now doing virtual meeting and we certainly cannot live without the mobile devices and all the application on the mobile devices. Uh, Those are basically called a client or clientless data list. Effectively, it's your own personal devices or an application such as the one that we're doing as a virtual meeting. And the reason why we're able to communicate you in Houston and myself being in Silicon Valley is because the connectivity and all the capability in terms of the compute network and data storage is actually stored somewhere else. And we use the word cloud computing to imply that it can be anywhere, just like the cloud moving around in the sky. And the cloud is effectively, is actually where the compute data and network storage is being done. They have both a digital lifestyle, which is, you know, the connectivity and the digital life form, or it can actually take place in a physical instantiation. So the physical location where it is stored, all the compute server, the network equipment, like a router or gateway or a 5G access point, and the data storage to hold all your previous wonderful episode that you guys all did, um, is actually physically in a location. And oftentimes in multiple location to provide a backup or resilient in cases, oh my God, moment happened on one site you're not losing any of your data. So a data center is a very simple concept to your audience that is basically a physical location where a lot of the physical compute network and data storage is going to be. It's quite complicated to actually build it. However, we have simplified it in a way that it can actually be distributed around the world. And uh, so anybody that like to listen to your episode, Fred, to like to see some of the things that you do, the closest data center will serve up those content to minimize any latency that is very sensitive to the mobile devices. So that's effectively the data center compute and the internet communication industry does, is to serve that particular purpose to give the user the richest user experience. And we do all the compute network and the data storage to basically serve it up.
1: And so because you've got that, going on and because of the, the I'm, I'm guessing the just sheer amount of power and electricity and energy that it takes to power these data centers that's where when you've got the amazons the googles uh the facebooks of the world who are you know putting these data centers together why they're making power buys are so important to that in order to get clean energy to power the, these data centers is that semi-accurate
0: it's precisely the, your description fred That's exactly what it is. Okay.
3: How much power is actually used in kilowatt language or megawatt language in a typical data center because they're extreme users of uh, electricity and I'm just trying to illustrate a picture.
0: Yes, Mike, thank you for asking that question. Uh, Metrics in terms of the power capacity is extremely important. So I would say, in general, and everybody like to think about Ashburn because uh, that is one location throughout the United States that have the concentrate of data center. Just over COVID, we have built 800 new megawatt to support the hyper growth caused by the lockdown of the pandemic. Because everybody just basically converted and pivoted to a digital life. And in order for us to support the hyper growth of Zoom, which overnight become a verb, a noun, a lifestyle, and no one has actually even heard of them prior to COVID-19 in March. And they grow 400% month to month since March. Or Google have picked up 4 million is what they reported new users on Google Meet every month since the COVID. And just by supporting that and Amazon and many of the online tailor just to support the COVID to get us groceries, to get us the essential items, because none of us can go out to the store safely anymore by having all of that in about 10 or 11 months or so, Mike, 800 new megawatt of data center were built. Wow. For those of you who don't know, every one megawatt running 24 by seven in one year emit 7.78 million pounds of carbon emission in the air. And if you use renewable energy, that number goes away. That is the equivalent of removing 17 million and a half miles of car off the road, of the emission. It is big number. What you both are working on in the renewable energy makes a difference to our environment and the community is served. Tesla actually have a calculator because they have very interested view of the world. Yeah of why everything needs to be electrified. And I'm a big fan of that. I don't know about everything because, um, but for transportation, we should not be just including rows and miles, Fred. Yeah. I think it also should be including nautical miles in sure. the ocean. Sure. And it should also include the, the uh, nautical miles in the air that you and I like to get back on a plane someday, right? Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So if you take a look at all of them, I, uh, at the UN level, we calculated basically is the total miles, either on the road, nautical or uh-huh. marine time uh, in that regard. And this is actually what is written in the Paris Agreement that we should to also address the transportation sector. Right. And in a, in a good way. That is exactly what our president, Biden administration, is focusing on. Uh, since he actually got uh, elected and he enacted United States back to the Paris Agreement on February 20th, 2021, we all actually have a virtual Zoom and we toast. And take a look at also the diagram that I prepared for you. Uh, I thought this would be helpful for your business and your audience that these companies that we all use their product a lot, such as Nike and New Balance, when you were out there jogging this morning.
1: I was wearing my uh, it.
0: There you go. Okay. And, um, Companies may already made 100% renewable commitment. And I am focusing with almost all of them, a majority of them, I work for a few of them. I was the eBay COO, you know, and many of these guys are my clients now. We are focusing on developing the next generation of what we call net zero data center. And then I mentioned earlier to you, explaining to the audience, what is a data center? Well, take a look at what a data center is. A data center is to support a minute on the internet and just take a look at during the pandemic, 500 hours of video is actually being uploaded by user within three seconds. And how many minutes have we gone now? You have already done, for example, a million Netflix video being consumed and streamed by users by the time that we actually done with this episode. We are the we are the content creator and the content consumer at the same time. Yeah. In terms of greenwashing, my point is the following. This problem is thoroughly understood in the US in terms of the importance of renewable energy. And oftentimes something that is well understood is fairly straightforward. The exercise is actually more in the mind. In my opinion, is a path of mindfulness of a choice that we can make every day. You can decide what you're gonna eat so you can actually stay healthy, be it meat or plant-based diet. Same thing with data center and renewable energy. What I'm actually trying to do is to educate the audience and my work by focusing on science-based target and be able to measure everything that we basically do. And I call this theme a raise to zero. To understand where you are at, so I created this software dashboard. You can actually see your carbon emission with the energy that you basically consume. Just like some people might have installed solar and they want to know how much clean energy they're being generated on the roof. And then they can decide to curtail And not not run the pool pump because, you know, hey, I, I need more clean energy. So the part that I basically have is some of the work that I've done is not just talk about the goals. Having good goals are important. We need good leadership as we all experience in America. You need to have a vision plus good leadership and a team working on it but you also need to have metrics and science-based target and follow the data. So this is a real example of someone that I have worked with over the past couple of years. And if you take a look at the emission, it was basically the 100%, except that they have solar in their parking lot. So therefore I gave them 99%, Fred, uh, of all the energy consumed, they're really just dirty. Obviously, they continue to use more energy because this is a data center and there's a high tech company. And but what we have done is basically cut the emission to 50 to 75 percent. So if you think about it is 25 to 50 percent is good. And we did through virtual power purchase agreement, we also do some on-site emission. And then bring them forward during the pandemic, you can actually see the energy rises. Okay, but we have cut it to 50%. So if you do a very simple math, effectively in less than three years, we have completely eliminated the emission that they had in the year 2016. And you see a dip in 2018 in terms of the energy consumption leveling off is because we also implemented energy efficiency metrics such as replacing some old equipment, and we completely get rid of all the generators that are standby for the data center because we really don't need them when we introduce the concept of a hot, hot backup. So what that means is your data center, Fred and Mike in Houston, serve as a backup for mine in California and vice versa. So therefore, we do not need to have these dirty diesel generators sitting around basically doing negative things and uh, when they being used. And frankly, it didn't get used. Although that may or may not be the best example because the backup generator were very useful during the ERCOT incident, which was really unfortunate that it actually happened.
1: You mentioned PPAs. How long have you been in the PPA space and what advancements have you seen in the PPA and VPPA space?
0: Yes. So I'm definitely one of the early explorers in terms of power purchase agreement and the virtual power purchase agreement when I was at Nestera Energy. So Nestera was basically focusing on providing this synthetic instrument only to the grid operator specifically the utility, such as uh, PG&E or Dominion or AEP or the Southern Company. And I leveraged the work that I've done at Stanford to basically create a new market for an existing product. So I start speaking to the data center. And next thing you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Goldman Sachs, Ackermine, John Hopkins University, who keep track of the coronavirus map, all become the client of mine that I brought them onward to the power purchase agreement journey. And it was just very simple to be able to explain it, Fred, that, hey, while we cannot overnight solve the problem in terms of using dirty energy, but we can certainly be social entrepreneur and be responsible of buying in incremental wind and solar project. So it was an absolutely delight to work with, for example, the early pioneers such as the Google and the Microsoft and the Facebook and the Apple in terms of helping to convince them and put together the origination of these early on contract when actually, frankly, the template wasn't even created. Um, We keep the lawyers busy, but frankly, I think we have uh, standardized on very simple template with the Renewable Energy buy-in Alliance to allow other people that may not even buy the whole entire project, but they buy basically incremental. Think of it as, you know, the big guys buy basically a lot of pizza and a lot of people now can buy a slice of the pizza of the virtual PPA. And uh, so at the end of the year, it was effective in a way that you can actually claim that you actually offset. And Google definitely did that and announced that in a couple of years ago, running on five years in a row now, that they have offset every kilowatt consumed and used by these uh, power purchase agreement. But it is not limited to that in terms of the synthetic instrument uh, we also work very hard in the last couple of years in this decade now to basically provide on-site clean energy. So there's many ways to get to the destination point. I think there's a place for the power purchase agreement. However, my personal opinion is it's much better if you actually create clean energy in the first place and use clean energy in the first place instead of doing a contract for difference.
3: That makes sense. So the contract for differences, the uh, virtual PPA uh, after what happened in uh, ERCOT and so many of the sellers of that VPPA really took it on the chin when the price spiked up and everything. You see those falling out of favor in the corporate space or is it still being traded as it was prior to the ERCOT debacle in February?
0: Well, I actually see this trend is going to continue. I thought I'd give one example here. Um, a very famous cloud provider. And they're just one example of uh, many different cloud that I also like. This data center, it is grid independent. And with our design that we have worked with them on on-site clean energy, which by the way, you see the other diagram is basically use fuel cell and renewable natural gas. All the racks of the advanced research lab by this company has knock on the wood, have zero downtime. This is actually very impressive because it, this record shows metrics, performance that we have no outage since it has commission on demand, which is a word we use when we turn on a data center. The customer now have a choice, emission is low or zero because we basically use renewable natural gas and it's transitioned to hydrogen. Um, and obviously it use a modular design because you can step into it. You don't have to buy the megawatt all upfront. You only have it on demand and it support the UN SDG goal, which is obviously one of Susanna's favorite uh, in terms of eliminating use of water, creating net positive, and also have zero carbon, zero emission and zero waste. I see this trend, might continuing for the corporate buyers such as the slide I showed earlier for the people making commitment because you can actually have it on site and you can actually have it uh, modular and it's a choice. I'm not suggesting one should leave the grid. No, I, I don't think that is a, a goal. However, it is a choice that people can make and such as my case in California, I probably make that choice very favorably because my grit hasn't been reliable.
1: Hell, it almost caught on, f- hell, the damn uh, forest fires almost got to it uh, y- day before yesterday, was it not?
0: Yes, Fred, it is very sad. And we are very, very careful right now when we actually celebrate it July 4th. Uh, no more gender review party, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: tell you what. They have, uh, you want to talk about jumping the shark when it comes to those. Of course, I think we're all, uh, you know, my our, our kids are all old enough now, thank goodness. When you talk about hydrogen, where are you at on the uh, hydrogen revolution and the role it's going to play in an everyday factor as part of this energy transition?
0: I am a pro to clean energy. Um, you can take a look at this chart that we are tracking around the world for uh, a search company. Uh, where exact the location and where are we at per hour basis in terms of renewable energy use and emission. So don't mind me, I'm a scientist, I'm a computer scientist, so I I focus on science-based target. And we have basically mapped out in our modeling by using green hydrogen fuel cell, Mike, in this example, that we do not need to oversize a solar or wind plant because the net capacity factor for those renewable are below 50%. So you can see that instead of actually having them to fill the gaps to number one, provide the renewable clean source, number two, it is much more affordable to store the renewable in hydrogen than energy storage devices like lithium ion. And third, because it is a fuel and it can be available in terms of distribution and generation. We like it very much in terms of it can actually fill up to 24 seven. And then the fourth benefit is Susanna's favorite when you break down hydrogen, which is H2, and you combine it with oxygen, what do you get? You genuinely produce water. Instead of us using water in a data center, which is one of the most scarce commodity that we community needs for drinking water, especially in developing country, we actually are creating net positive of water throughout the entire life cycle. So I am a big fan of hydrogen in terms of the value benefits that it can actually create for the infrastructure. You know, I like, I have a couple children. I like them equally. I like them differently. Okay. I actually, I actually like, believe it or not, I actually like emission. Because if you take a look at the emission in a symbol, uh, oh, I go back in this one. If you take a look at the symbol of of, uh, carbon, I can actually use the carbon symbol to basically create, I would say, a good input to other industries such as the food industry. So carbon emission is not a negative when it is being captured, identified to reuse for the food industry uh, in other life cycle. It is a bad thing if we actually let it just escape in the air to pollute uh, or store it in the ground because it's actually bad. But once you identify and you capture it, it is actually not bad because it can be a good input on it. And a um, little bit as a joke, being a woman, I hope you don't mind. I say that a lot in a lot of the meetings. If you give a lot of pressure and you store the carbon in a rock, It is women's best friend, Diamond. So every waste that come out of one life cycle, such as for example, wasted heat, can be a positive to the community because it can provide district heating or it can grow food uh, in an organic garden in the middle of Houston. You know, you can have an organic farm and your restaurant can just source it right there locally instead of getting the produce shipped in from Dallas. So it's all good.
1: Thank you once again to Miss Susanna Cass. Great stuff from her. And, of course, you can find out more about her. Follow her on LinkedIn as well want to thank everybody for tuning into the program. Once again, you can find the Green Insider Podcast over at Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, eRenew.net, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you check us out on Apple iTunes, we ask that you leave us a five-star rating. Why? Because we promise you learned learn more about renewable energy after the podcast than you knew about it before you came in. That's going to do it for the Green Insider Podcast for Mike Niemer and the E Renewable team. This has been the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.